Well, good morning, church. Uh, good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I got a question. Have you ever been in a season of life where you can see another season coming and you're not sure what to do with it yet? Personally, um, I am currently in one of those seasons. Uh, my wife is 36 weeks pregnant, and so on the horizon, I see sleepless nights and taking care of a, a it's our first kid, taking care of a dependent child, mostly dependent on her, that I, you know, don't have any experience with. How many of you guys are parents in here? All right, so you guys probably know a little bit of how I'm, I'm feeling, but there's a little bit of everything, you know, uh, anxiety, you know, what, how, what, what's going to change, and am I going to do a good job, and also just the, the hopeful expectation, joy, the honor, the privilege of raising um, a human being, you know, to, to grow to be a disciple of Jesus and to live in this world, and it's crazy that that's even a thing. Um, all the while trying to be, as best as I can, trying and oftentimes failing to be fully present to this moment. You know, it's like it could happen any time. And so it's like I got to try and enjoy the time we have uh, before our son comes. But uh, uh, it's, it's hard sometimes to be fully present in the season you're in when another one is coming up ahead. Have you ever been on the edge of a new season before? If we're, if we're being honest, probably most of us have. We, we've, we've been in different, you know, different kinds of seasons. Maybe it's a, a season, a, a harder one that's up on the horizon or, or a good one. Um, but this morning, if, if we're going to tackle anything, it's going to be the questions, how can we learn to see God in these seasons? Seasons we're in and the seasons we may enter into. And how can we be faithful in every season, the good and the bad? And so um, this week we're in week two of our series on We Are the Church, and we're pressing pause on our, our, our long series through 1 Corinthians for a few weeks. Don't worry, we're going to come back to it in a couple weeks. Uh, we're trying to reorient ourselves around the, the new reality, the new season that was announced uh, last week for our church family, that we're going to be welcoming our Urbana location to be here with us, that the family is going to get bigger at this location in approximately two weeks. We felt that that was a, a big enough moment in our church's history that we, we wanted to uh, make space for that, to address it uh, head on with its own little sermon series. If you missed the announcement, you can go back and listen to that online. There's frequently asked questions on there. You can reach out to staff and elders. Uh, in a nutshell, basically, we, uh, as, a as a leadership, as a team, are, are passionate about going wherever God wants us to go. And so the elders and Eric and, and, and Josh, the location pastor over there, um, had a season of prayer and fasting and discernment over this. And, and just through it all, um, even as hard as it is, they just can't, God is doing this, that we want to be one church in one location, and despite differing personalities and leanings, they came together and is unanimous. And so while we are excited for that, that is change, and change is hard, uh, especially for uh, any of you who maybe were part of the launch team or you have friends who are a part of that um, location across town. But we spent last week talking about defining moments, that, that we as a church family are in a defining moment. We started in Joshua 1 and saw the Israelites come to the Jordan River and about ready to cross the promised land. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. This week we're talking about navigating seasons with God. We're going to spend most of our time in Ecclesiastes 3 to, to build off of the, the Joshua story and see that God 
uh, uses and works through seasons that we're invited to wrestle with him together in that. So with that in mind, if you want to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3 with me, um, that's where we'll spend uh, the majority of our time. It's literally about halfway through your Bible, so you can just kind of open it halfway and you'll be close. Um, But next week, we're going to spend some time celebrating and remembering stories. So last week was moments, this week is seasons, next week is stories, and then we're going to all throw a big unity party in in a couple weeks uh, as we join together. But before we jump into Ecclesiastes, I want to remind us a little bit where Eric took us last week. We're invited into the early story of the Israelites uh, being led by Joshua, coming to the banks of the Jordan River, but they had just been in a season of wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and they came face to face with the defining moment of their generation. And God had a special purpose for them on the other side of the river, and that purpose signals an end of one season and the beginning of the next. And that's kind of where we sit as well, as a church. The way things have gone is, is changing. So we want to wrestle through that together. We don't hear a lot of specifics in the Joshua 1 story about how they, what emotions they were feeling and what excitement or trepidation or, or, or whatever. Um, but we do read this that, that God encourages them with in Joshua 1.9. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And these same words we want to just start with remind us this morning here at first, whatever season you're in, whether you're impacted by the news of us becoming one location or or you're in your own season that's really hard or challenging or even amazing, wherever you're at, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And here is the foundation for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go, no matter where you go. No matter what season you are in, the Lord is never far from you. And so we turn now to what's known as a, a book of wisdom, wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes. It's, it's kind of narrated through the lens of the, someone known as the teacher. And, and he's giving, trying to better understand life and wisdom. And, and, and he's processing through at this point different seasons and the meaning of life and that kind of thing. And so we pick up in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 3. It says this, There is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden of God that that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is the word of the Lord. 
And we see here in these first few verses of Ecclesiastes the reality of seasons in life. The teacher here says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, there's an argument that could be made that this is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. You know why? Because football season is getting closer every day. I don't know... I, I kid, but, but, but I don't know what your favorite season is of the year, sports season, the seasons of nature, the, the favorite holiday season. You know, we're coming up on July 4th this week to celebrate, but everyone has their favorite seasons, and you know what makes those seasons special? It's the fact that they change, that they have an end, and that they, have, they come around to a beginning, that they're not permanent. Think about it. God is, in his ultimate wisdom, created the universe and this earth within the reality of seasons. For example, just daily, the the morning and night, the rhythms of of waking up, activity, that we go to work and work was a created good, and then we come back and our bodies have to shut down. It's not healthy for us to not go to bed at night, that we have these rhythms and these seasons uh, for our bodies and for creation, the physical seasons of of winter, spring, summer, fall, you know, I don't know anyone uh, who would love an eternal summer or an eternal winter. And if you are, no offense, but you're, you're a little crazy. I think that, that we would, even if you think so, it's like eventually you would be like, it'd be kind of nice to experience something a little bit different in time. We, we look forward to spring because it brings life and beauty. The weather patterns, man, we're, this week has been kind of crazy, you know, smog from the north coming from the kitty and wildfires that, you know, you think wildfires are bad and, you know, they can be and they often are, but, but even wildfires serve a purpose in, in, in restoring the forest ecosystem. That, that you have to burn away some of the chaff so that new growth can occur. It doesn't get choked out. And, and we experienced a lot of rain this week. The farmers were happy, that, you know, maybe not about the, the loss of, 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 of electricity for many of us, um, but, but the weather patterns, there's, there's these, these rhythms, these seasons that come, days, years, sacred times, birthdays, holidays, Easter, Christmas. The Israelites, the ancient peoples, Jesus would have had these rhythms that he lived into to celebrate the seasons of God, the different aspects of, of God, the festivals, those kinds of, of things. And so that's something we've, we've mostly lost in today's society and culture. There's just rhythms of, of life, death, res- resurrection that I, that I would argue they're built into the fabric of creation itself. And all of these things, they serve a purpose. Change. Even though we may not always like it, it's necessary, foundational for life. Even though there are hard seasons, there is always a purpose. In verse 11, the teacher concludes, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. You see, God created season and God uses seasons. He walked with his people from the old covenant into the new. He started with a couple, Adam and Eve, and moved into a season where he walked with a family, Abraham and his descendants, that became a nation. He walked with Israel, and eventually he walked in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is now finally working in the season of the church, which is you and me. 
He used to speak through prophets, priests, judges, and kings, and he, he was seemingly silent for a season before speaking in the person of his son, the definitive word, and now he speaks to us through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit and through the community of the church. Seasons of history, seasons of life, they're all used by God to bring about change, to produce growth in God's purposes. He's working all things for good. He's making all things new. He is making everything beautiful in its time. And you may be saying, Samuel, okay, I get it. God uses seasons. I kind of see that. But, but where is God in these seasons? Why should I trust him in every season? The thing we, we must not forget is that no matter how much things change, God never does. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is faithful and unchanging in the midst of seasons. We just sang about this a few minutes ago. He's faithful in every season. Why would he fail now? I love that line. See, God never changes but changes everything. He is always good, always loving, always just, always true, but he is working all things for good, and we can trust him in any and every season. Do you believe that this morning? But we have a human tendency to want God to change. Life is hard. Seasons get difficult. Have there ever been a time, a season of life that you just wish you could get out of? Press the easy button. That God would just snap his fingers and deliver you from it. We'd all be lying if we said that we didn't have those moments and those seasons. It's like, well, God, could you just change your wisdom or your way just this once? You see, the Israelites coming out of Egypt were often tempted to complain and, and want to go back to the better season of slavery in Egypt because at least they were provided for there. Or when they came to the promised land for the first time and they saw the giants in the land, they were afraid. And instead of walking into the season that God had for them, trusting God in that season, they decided not to move forward. And, and then they were ushered back into the wilderness for 40 years to mature, to become the kind of people who can enter into the promised land, which is where we find them at Joshua 1. See, the reality is growth comes primarily through pruning and pain and purification. Maturity doesn't happen when we are comfortable. It comes through patiently persevering through discomfort and hardship. That is the way God works. It is built into the fabric of creation. It is God's wisdom. It's staying in the season we're in and following God, patiently waiting for when he leads us into the next season, when the time is right, even in the long and hard seasons. And we don't like this. So we want God to go easy on us. We want him to change his mind, his wisdom, his ways, but he does not do so. 
And we should be grateful for this. Because it is through these things that we become more like him. It's through these things the kingdom comes in our hearts and lives and in the world. It is through these things that all things are being made new. It is the cycle of life, death, resurrection. God uses seasons to bring about the purposes he has for us. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He is making Everything beautiful in its time. And it is the invitation that we have to trust him in that. In whatever season we're in. But if you're anything like me, maybe you're still having a hard time with this. Okay, sure, God uses seasons and he has a plan and a purpose to bring good, but it just feels like God is behind the scenes distantly pulling the strings like a puppet master from a distance. How is that okay? And if you've ever felt that way or feel that way now, you're, you're in good company. You see, for a significant season of my life, approximately six years of my life leading up to 2021, the primary, way I relate, the primary way I related to God was as a distant father. And there's a lot of things that went into this season, a lot of details that I don't have time to share. But I, I grew up in the church. I was a pastor's kid. I walked with God faithfully my whole life. I committed my life to be a pastor, went to Bible college, was in ministry. And then I began to experience that the primary experience, the one, the one verse that resonated most in Scripture was Christ's cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for six long years, that was my experience in my faith. You see, sometimes knowing that God has a plan doesn't seem like enough. Sometimes knowing God is good still isn't enough. And for me, as, I, as that season came to an end, one of the things that was most transformative for me to usher me into a new season was being reminded, remembering that God is no stranger to our seasons. God knows what it's like. See, God entered into our seasons in Jesus Christ. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. He experienced all all of life, everything there was, all of its seasons. Luke says he grew in wisdom and stature with both God and man. He learned obedience through what he suffered is what Hebrews says. He was tempted in every way but did not sin. There is nothing that God in Jesus has not experienced in our condition. He spent 30 years in obscurity behind the scenes preparing for three years of ministry that eventually led to the cross. And it is his words crying out in God forsakenness, his experience of forsakenness on the cross unto death, and yet he still trusted, committing his spirit to the Father. And because of this, he was raised again to life three days later. Life, death, Resurrection. God is making everything beautiful in its time. 
And so this morning, know that no matter what season you find yourself in, God understands it. He is with you in it. He has been there. He is good. He has a plan. And that is good news. But wherever we're at, as God is with us, how do we recognize and partner with what God is up to in our lives? See, it starts with one simple truth coming back to the reality that everyone is in a season. Everyone is in a season. The reality is that you and I, we're, we're in different seasons. We need to recognize that in the midst, we are all having different experiences. That God is with them in us all, but it will look different in the midst of our lives and our interactions with others. The teacher in Ecclesiastes 3 lists a variety of different things that we go through. Life, death, dancing, mourning, weeping, laughing, building up, tearing down, and, and many others. But in all of it, the common thread is that we all are in a season. The question is, what season are you in? What season are you in? For some of you, you immediately know the answer to this. You're on one of the extremes of, man, it is an amazing season. Things are going so well. Uh, thanks be to God. And some of you are, this is the hardest season in my entire life. The sky is falling. I just, I'm suffering and there's hardship and things are broken. But many of us, most seasons are in between those. And, and others of us, we, we may not be able to even answer this because life has become so busy and we are so distracted and overwhelmed and numbed by the pace of life that we don't even know where we're at, what God is up to, or what season we're in. The invitation is to ask, where are you, God, and where am I in the season? As we identify where we are, we must also bring to mind... It, it, just as important question, what season of life are others in? What season of life are others in? We would do well to remember that, that it's not just us in our individualistic, self-centered focus that, that we, oh, my season, things are so good or so bad that everyone else is also in a season and, and that is going to change the way we interact with people. Sometimes the people we are struggling with most, it's because they're in a polar opposite season than us. And we would do well to not write them off and to not judge them, but to learn how to be present to them, even though it's a different experience right now. When life is crushing you, you respond in crushing ways. When everything is going your way, nothing seems to bother you. And we have no idea what other people are going through. We are called to extend the same kind of grace to other people's seasons and journeys as we would desire to be extended to us. You see, we are called to meet people where they are at, not where we wish they were. We're called to meet them where they're at, not where we wish they were, or where we are. And so as we navigate some of the changes, the seasonal changes here at First in the family, we just want you all to know we want to walk alongside you in your season, no matter if you're excited or you feel nothing and it doesn't impact you or, or, or you're, uh, you, know, you were part of the launch team and, and you've been over to Urbana. And we want to walk alongside you as a church family. But, but 
that news hits everyone differently and everyone is in a different season. Maybe, maybe you don't care about Urbana, but you're your marriage, your relationships are, are struggling. You have health concerns and financial strains. Maybe you're in a great season, but you are connected to that location. And, and so it, it's hitting you in a different kind of way. We need to make room for one another in that. And I know that many of us here, the family's just getting bigger. We're excited. It's going to be a, a fun time. But I want to challenge you pastorally. It's not just our job as leadership and staff to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It is your job as brothers and sisters in Christ to make space for anyone you see, either in this church decision or outside in your lives, to make space for their seasons, no matter where they might be. And sometimes when we're in the midst of these challenging seasons or we see others in the midst of the fog of that season is so thick. It was crazy this week to, you know, we've been seeing for weeks and months that the, 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 the smog, the, the fog from the Canadian wildfires coming down. And I've seen pictures, but to experience it and to smell it, it's, you know, it's just crazy to think it's all the way from Canada and it's affecting us here and now. But when it comes to visibility... What seems clear to those on the outside of the smog isn't always clear to those who are inside of it. It's hard to see where God is and and maybe even where you are when you are in the midst of fog. And when we're on the outside, our job is to help people inside navigate that season that has a lack of clarity. When you're on the inside, Inviting others into that foggy season, help me navigate this, is so essential in both directions. Difficult seasons, though, they can lead to these, these why questions. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why would God close any church? Why would God allow my marriage to fail, my friends to betray me? Why would God let me receive these bad test results from the doctor? At my age, why would God make it so hard to have children? Why would God allow anyone walking faithfully with Jesus to to struggle and to suffer? See, Jesus promises trouble. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Some wisdom that the pastor Josh shared with me this week is that as we walk with God, seasons come first, reasons come later. And I think that's a profound truth. One of my favorite worship songs by Will Reagan and the United Pursuit, it's called Nothing I Hold On To. My favorite lyrics are just going to riff off of Proverbs 3. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you will make something beautiful out of me. At the end of the day, we are called to into a relationship with the living God, to trust him with whatever season and to trust him with other people's seasons, trusting that he is making everything beautiful in its time. And so the invitation for us is to move from the posture of why to a posture of what. From asking why is this happening to asking what is God up to and how can I join him in this season. 
And you're probably wondering, well, what might that look like practically? So with the remainder of our time, I want to talk about what it looks like to navigate your seasons with God, to navigate your seasons with, emphasis on with God. And so here are three helpful postures to help us navigate seasons with God, our own and others. The first is to look. These are all L's. To look. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says in verse 11 that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. You see, God is always present and at work in every single season. The question is, where are you looking for him? God meets us where we actually are, not where we wish we were. He is not in our past, and he is not in our future. He is with us in the here and now, in this present moment, in this present season. And if we are obsessed with going back to the old or heading forward to the new, we will miss what he is doing because we are not looking and paying attention to what God is up to and what he has for us here and now. If we, do not, if we are not attentive to the present, then we will miss out on the presence of God. So practically, one simple question that if you do this and ask this question daily, it will change your life. Where have you seen God in the past 24 hours? Where have you seen God in the past 24 hours? It's a simple question, but... If I were a betting man, because of the chaos and the craziness of the digital world and the distraction of our phones in our pocket and, and that the productivity, the on to the next project and on to the next kids event and the on to the whatever, that if we actually, like, it would take us a bit to even know what God is up to. But if you make it a, a rhythm, a, a pattern of asking God, what have you done? Reflecting, where have you been? Where have I missed you so that I don't miss you again? Where has God been present and at work in your life in the last 24 hours? Ask that question every day, and it will begin to change your life. I promise you. The second posture is listen. To listen. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says that there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. We live in a culture where speaking is the default. We want our opinions heard and we want to complain or to, to have something out there on social media about how our lives are going or our opinion on the, the latest political thing or the latest news story or whatever it might be. We live in a, in a culture that values speaking and has no room for silence and for listening. Studies have shown that, that we don't know how to be bored anymore. 21st century people do not have space for boredom anymore. When was the last time you sat and were just bored? Most of us probably don't have an answer to that question. So we're called to listen. And so another practical question, what are you hearing from God in Scripture? in prayer, and through others in the community of the church. 
If you are not in scripture prayer and in community, you will miss out on the voice of God in your life and what he is saying. When Elijah, he confronted the prophets of Baal and he was victorious and he ran away and hide when Jezebel threatened to kill him and he was crying and, 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 and throwing a fit in a little cave and, and God showed up. Not in an earthquake or in a fire or in a powerful wind, but in a gentle whisper. And despite the fact that Elijah felt like the sky was falling, he still had room for the voice of God, and he knew what it was. Do you have room for the voice of God? Are you able to listen to him in your season? And lastly, the third posture is to lean, to lean, to lean in to your season, to the seasons of others, and to lean on others throughout this season. I shared a bit about my season of feeling distant from God, to see him as a distant father of God, forsakenness, and I didn't share one of the primary things that triggered that in my life. In the fall of 2015, I had just graduated from Bible college, and a dear friend of mine who was like a brother to me, he came to me and said that he was losing his faith. And he came to me with tons of questions about Scripture, the, the Bible, about God, about science. And, and I honestly, I had just, I went back, I didn't have answers. I didn't have anything to share that I was convinced about. And that ultimately sent him into a season of losing his faith and sent me into a season of questioning mine. And for the better part of three years, I, I wrestled regularly with God. You can ask my wife. I, I leaned in. I asked questions that I didn't feel like I was ever allowed to ask. I deconstructed things that were once foundational to my faith. What God did in that season of my life was to strip me of my reliance on intellectual certainty, on dogma, doctrine, theology, and, and shifted, taught me how to trust in the living God, in the present an active God who is inviting each and every one of us into relationship that I didn't need to be certain. He broke the idol of certainty in my life. And I just needed to be faithful and to walk with him in every season. And in the midst of that, I, the greatest gift was a community of people who made space for me. My wife and some close friends and and just a new community rose up, and, and they were able to sit with me in my questions as I said and, and asked things that would be appalling to certain people in the church. And they sat with me, and they loved me, and they practiced hospitality, making space for someone who's in a different season for them. And because of that, over time, I came out the other side. And as I let go of certainty and continued to wrestle with God, you know, Jacob wrestled with God and was renamed Israel, and, and the whole nation was defined by, it means, Israel means to wrestle with God. People of faith, you and I, we are called to wrestle with God. He does not want us to have all the right ideas about him at the expense of a wrestling relationship with him. And in time, in 2017, I was able to come back to my friend who was like a brother to me 
and give responses to his questions. Say, I don't know all the answers, but here is the Jesus that I have fallen in love with and the things that help me make sense of the questions you're asking. And at the end of that conversation, he said to me, the Jesus you know and the Jesus you talk about is a Jesus I have never experienced in my life in the church or outside of it. And I, he's the kind of Jesus I think I might be able to actually follow. And there's a lot more to that story that I'm not going to share now. But God used the suffering and disorientation of that season to give me a passion for those who doubt, a passion for those who are asking questions, who reject the faith for good reasons. So many young people are rejecting the faith because of intellectual things. And we need to be a community of people who has the living Spirit of God with us. That is going to be the answer to their questions, not these apologetic responses. But are you living with God in your heart and your life? Do you know him? Has he changed your heart and your life? God makes everything beautiful in its time. But that will take time. And it will not be done apart from community. And so I leave us this morning with these two final questions. Will you lean in to the season you are in with God? Will you lean in? Because it is your choice. God wants you to partner with him, but he will not do the work for you. And how are you going to lean in and make space for the seasons of others in this this time? the good and the bad, when the Urbana folk come over and the people in your workplace, will you lean into your season with God and how will you lean into the seasons of others? And as you do so, remember these words from Joshua and the teacher, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. For he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done and will do from beginning to the end. And so now we transition to a time that we participate in and celebrate every single week this time of communion. And it is so easy to dismiss this as some kind of ritual or some quiet time and to miss the reality that in this time we celebrate the God of seasons, the God who entered into our seasons and redeemed them all on the cross. His name is Jesus Christ and If you claim him as your king, as your rabbi, as your Lord, then you are invited in this time to take the elements that you can find at the entrances, the bread that represents his broken body, the the juice that represents his shed blood for us. He is with you in your season. He has made a way and he can redeem whatever season you're in. 
Will you lean in? 